We all have legitimate needs we try to satisfy in illegitimate ways. Today, how to truly satisfy the cravings of your inner being and find release from the pleasure trap on Bold Steps. When you understand that you have dignity and value and purpose, that you are made in the image of God, when you understand the truth about yourself, then you will not have the impulsive, addictive cravings of the flesh because your spirit is satisfied. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job. Mark is senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and he's also president of Moody Bible Institute. Last time we began a message titled, The Pleasure Trap. It's part of a new series called Identity Theft. The way we feel, the things we have, or the position we hold, if they are at the center of our life, it can distort our view of ourselves, pulling us away from God and what really satisfies our inner being. Mark Job is using Luke chapter four and the temptation of Jesus as our focal point. Now, if you missed the last broadcast and want to catch up, the unedited version is posted at our website, boldstepsradio.org. Now, with part two of The Pleasure Trap, here's Mark Job on Bold Steps. Now, some people think that fasting is a... If you've never fasted before, you think, well, fasting is going to be this super high-charged spiritual experience. I'm going to fast the first day. And I'm just going to feel this spiritual connection with God. I'm going to fast the second day, and I'm just going to have revelation of the Word. When I read it, it's just going to pop up. But you see, here's what's happening. During the first season, first few days of fasting, you're fighting with the flesh. Your body's used to food and, and, and satisfying itself. And there's a testing time. There's a battle time. And my experience is that really not until the fourth or fifth day of fasting do you really experience that battle getting over uh, some of this stuff. And, and it's after the fourth or fifth day of fasting, in my experience, that you really can start to pray in a new way and really get a lot out of it because fasting, you're tested when you're fasting. Jesus had fasted 40 days, and at the end of the 40th day, the Bible says that the devil said to him, you say, well, how did the devil show up to him? Well, it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us if it was a voice in his head, but we know the temptation of the devil came to him, and the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, wait a second, if you are the Son of God? Yeah, if you are the Son of God, what is he testing? His identity. You see, God had already told him, you are the son of God, and I am pleased in you, and I love you. And now the devil is saying, hey, if you really are the son of God, because I'm not sure you don't look like the son of God, you don't dress like the son of God, hey, you have no palace, you have no riches, man, you look like a peasant from Galilee is what you look like. So if you really are the son of God, if this is really your identity, then here's what I want you to do. If you are the son of God, then... Tell this stone to become bread. You know what this first temptation is all about? It's about the pleasure trap. Let me tell you what the pleasure trap tells us. The pleasure trap tells us this. You have legitimate needs. And you are somebody only when you are satisfied. 
And if you're not satisfied, you're not somebody. You see, you have legitimate needs and you have the right to fulfill those legitimate needs. You see, was Jesus hungry? Sure, 40 days, he's hungry. Did, did, did he have needs in his life? Sure, he had need, he craved food because he, he was human. 40 days of no eating. So here's how it works. The devil says, see that rock? I want you to turn that rock into bread. Now, after you've been fasting for a while, man, everything, everything starts kind of looking and smelling like food. <laughs> if you're like 20 days into a fast, now all you have to do is walk three blocks within someone that's cooking something. And you say, hey, do you smell that? Because you start smelling food and seeing food and dreaming about food. Why? Because your body has a need. Because your body's saying, hey, feed me. So the devil says, hey, you see that rock, man? Can't you see the bread there? Why don't you use your power to turn that rock into a piece of bread? Because after all, aren't you the son of God? And if you are the son of God, shouldn't your needs be met and satisfied if you are the son of God? Because if you're somebody, then you have the right to be happy and fulfilled and satisfied if you really are somebody. You see, here's how it works. If you were to go on the street right now and ask most of the people on the street and you were to take a microphone and shove it in their face and said, hey, what, what, what do you really want in life? What is your goal in life? First of all, they'd say, you know, right now I just want to keep warm. But, 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 but apart from keeping warm, what is your goal in life? You know what 95% of them would tell you? I want to be, I want to be somebody, I want to be happy. When they say, I, I, hey, I just want to be happy. What's your goal in life? Well, I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to mind my own. I want to be happy. Well, what do you want to be? I just want to be happy. I just want to live my life and be happy. You see, ultimately, most people's goal in life is we, want to, we just want to be happy. You say, well, pastor, is there anything wrong with being happy? No, nothing wrong with being happy. Here's the problem. When you pursue happiness, it's called hedonism. It's the unabashed pursuit of pleasure. Like, I want to be satisfied. I want to be happy. Man, I want to party now. You see, if you embrace that philosophy of life that I want to be happy, my ultimate goal is it's my right to be happy, and it's not a bad thing to pursue happiness, but it's the way we pursue it. Here's, here's how our thinking goes. I want to be happy I have a right for my needs to be met. I want to be fulfilled in life. Therefore, anything that makes me unhappy, I have the right to get out of my life because my goal and my destiny and my right is to be happy. So, I talked to a married man. I just want to be happy, he says. And 10 years ago when I married my wife, you know what? She made me happy. She met my needs. I met her needs. And it was good. But it's 10 years later. And guess what? Now I'm unhappy because of her. Oh, really? Yeah, she makes me unhappy. 
I mean, she doesn't do this, and she doesn't do that, and she's always against me. And, and, and my, I have the right to be happy. So if she makes me unhappy, I don't need to be around her anymore because it's my right to be happy. So therefore, she is my obstacle to happiness. So what I need to happen, I just need to get rid of her and find someone else that makes me happier. Does that logic sound familiar? Oh yeah, we hear it all the time. I have a right to be happy. So if he makes me unhappy, I want him out of my life. I want everything out of my life that makes me unhappy because I have the right to be happy. I have the right to be fulfilled and I have the right to be satisfied because I want to be happy. That's Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps. Mark is describing the pleasure trap, and our series is called Identity Theft. In life, are you pursuing something bigger than yourself, or is it only to satisfy temporary carnal cravings? We'll get back to Mark's message in just a moment. But first, Mark, how about a special word of thanks to our bold partners? We say this often, but they are the lifeblood of this ministry. Yeah, Wayne, this program is supported by our listeners, those people that listen on a regular basis and say, I I want to help financially support this program. And we have a group of people called Bold Partners, and those are people that have decided to give monthly to help this Mm -hmm. program broadcast. And we always love to hear from our listeners. We have a letter that we received from Victoria in Rialto, California. Wayne, you want to read us that letter? Sure. Victoria says, thank you for all the excellent teaching and preaching that comes through Bold Steps. Two exclamation points, by the way. I so appreciate all the biblical knowledge and direction I receive through your daily broadcast and the weekend edition as well. You and yours, as well as the ministry, are in my intercessory prayers. I refer to your program to my other Christian friends so they can also refer you to others. Keep up the great job, my brother in Christ. Victoria, we love your letter. Thank you for the encouragement. And I love the fact that you are spreading the word to others as well and encouraging them to listen. So thank you. Thank you once again. And Bold Partners, you help make this possible. So if you would like to join our team of Bold Partners and take a bold step this year, sign up at boldstepsradio.org. When you choose to give a gift of, let's say, $30 or more each month, you'll be qualified for a 50% discount off the retail price on all Moody Publishers resources in the online store at moodypublishers.org. A great benefit. And you'll also receive a signed copy of Mark's book, Unstuck, Out of Your Cave and Into Your Call, as well as an exclusive bi-weekly email from Mark full of encouraging lessons and videos. So please partner with us today by visiting boldstepsradio.org. All right, let's get back to the message. Is happiness something that we can obtain on our own? Once again, here's Mark. Here's the thing. Happiness never comes when you pursue it. Happiness is always a byproduct, a result of pursuing something bigger than us. When you pursue God and the will of God and the plan of God for your life, happiness is a byproduct of that. But when you pursue happiness for happiness sake, you will end up in a dead-end street of being miserable because when you pursue happiness, you won't find it. You see, the lie of pleasure is you have a right to be satisfied. Let me tell you this. We all have legitimate needs that we try to satisfy in illegitimate ways. How many of you know that? Someone says, well, you know, I, 
I, I, I want to, I have legitimate needs. Yeah, you have legitimate needs, but if you try to satisfy them in an unlegitimate way, it's the same thing as trying to turn a rock into bread. What was wrong with Jesus turning a rock into bread? Was there a sin in that? Is there something wrong with that? Well, it was Jesus had a legitimate need. He was hungry, but if he used his supernatural God-given powers to meet his physical cravings, it would have been a misuse of his power. So therefore, he had a legitimate need that the enemy was tempting him to meet in an illegitimate way. Someone says, well, I want to be happy. I just want to be satisfied in life. Oh, I, just, I just don't want to be sad in life. So, you know, he goes out and, and there's a lot of ways of trying to get happy. I have a legitimate need to be happy. And so when I go out, I just go... Why? Because I want to be happy. So snorting a line of cocaine does that. It makes me happy a little bit. Well, you know, you have a legitimate need, but you're trying to satisfy it in a legitimate way. Someone else says, you know, I just want to be happy, and I'm trying to pursue the God thing, but, you know, I'm in a dating relationship with a girl. You know, I have needs, she has needs, we both have needs, and we just want to be happy. We don't want to do thing, anything against God, but you know what? She's got her needs, I have her needs. So, you know, every two weeks or so, we try not to do it too often because we don't really want to sin too much. But, you know, we just have sex every two weeks or so because why? God's given us needs. She's got needs, I got needs. It's a while till we get married. You know, how can God hold that against us? Hey, you have a legitimate need but you're trying to satisfy a, a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Yeah, Jesus, you're hungry, but to satisfy that hungry by turning that rock into bread would be illegitimate. And we need to understand that, by the way, the enemy has tempted people down through the years with what's called, you can write this down, jot this down, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, that's how the enemy made Eve fall from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, and the, When the woman saw the food, that's the lust of the flesh, and that it was a delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and that it was a desirable to make one wise, the boastful pride of life. You see, the enemy's been using the same tactics down through the years, and he used the same tactics on Jesus. The lust of the flesh, the pursuit of pleasure. The lust of the eyes, the desire for positions. And the boastful pride of life, the desire for pos uh, position. He's been using the same temptation tactics against our identity from the beginning. Number four, jot this down. This is huge, and I close with this. Listen, lies about your identity increase your carnal cravings while revelation truth satisfies your inner being. Oh, I wish I could preach that. I want you to hear me really, really well about this because this is huge. Listen, what did Jesus answer when the enemy said, turn this rock into bread, what did Jesus answer? He said, man does not live by bread alone. You say, well, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, Jesus was actually quoting from another passage in Scripture. He was actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 from the Old Testament. 
And he says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but here's the rest of the passage, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Man does not live on bread alone. This symbolizes your carnal cravings, but there's a craving of your being that's much greater than the craving of your body. Uh, listen to what it says in John chapter 4, verse 31 through 34. Jesus was talking to his disciples. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him that sent me. Hear me well. I want you to catch this. Listen to me well. When your inner being is not being satisfied by the truth of God, then your natural cravings become stronger because your inner being is hungrier. When your inner being, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, when the truth is filling your being and you know who you are in God, and you understand your identity, and you're not giving in to lies, but you know what God says about you, then you are more satisfied, and the cravings of your, the cravings of your body are dialed down because the satisfaction of your soul is full. Let me tell you why people have addictive compulsive behaviors. People have addictive compulsive uncontrollable cravings in their life because inside their inner being is empty and there's lies about their inner being I'm a nobody I'm a failure I have sin no one will love me I gotta prove myself I gotta prove that I'm a success and so then they become addictive compulsive about things they eat a lot or they get involved in pornography or they become gamblers or they become workaholics why because I have a craving inside that I cannot satisfy but when you are satisfied inside it dials down your external cravings are you tracking with you just nod your head you see that's the way it works you know if you've had a big meal have you ever had a big meal then gone over to someone's house and they have food that you like and they offer it to you but you're like, nah, I'm just not hungry now. Why? Because you're already satisfied. Ever happened to you? You see, when you're satisfied, you don't have cravings. But when you're empty, you have big cravings. And see, when you understand that you are forgiven, when you understand that you're a child of God, what are some of the things that you need to understand? Well, you need to understand a couple of these things and I close with this. In 1 John, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, I am a child of God. In John 15, verse, verse 5, it says, I am Christ's friend. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, I am justified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, I am united with the Lord, and I am one spirit with him. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, I have been bought with a high price, and I belong to God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, I am a member of Christ's body. In Ephesians 1, 1, it says, I am a saint. In Ephesians 1, 5, it says, I have been adopted as God's child. 
In Ephesians 2.18, it says, I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. In Colossians 1.14, it says, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. In Colossians 2.10, it says, I am complete in Christ. Listen, when you understand that you have worth, when you understand that you are forgiven, when you understand that there is nothing in your past that is being held against you, when you understand that God loves you and has a purpose and a destiny for your life, when you understand that there is not anything that's happened in your life that God hasn't cared about, when you understand that you have dignity and value and purpose, that you are made in the image of God, that you are connected with God, when you understand the truth about yourself then you will not have the impulsive, addictive cravings of the flesh because your spirit is satisfied. Some of you are saying, I just don't want to do it anymore. But your spirit isn't satisfied, so your cravings remain. I don't, I don't want I get. Crave and crave. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now hear his word and be satisfied. Amen? Amen. Mark Job on Bold Steps. Mark, as listeners hear this message today, perhaps there's someone who's realizing that their priorities aren't aligned toward God. Maybe they're caught in this pleasure trap, focusing on what feels good in the here and now. How would you mentor someone like this? Wayne, I've spent uh, probably several decades actually working with addicts Hmm. to different degrees. Some people very, very hardcore like heroin addicts and so forth. So first of all, if you have a chemical addiction Uh, cocaine, heroin, drug, uh, alcohol, I think you need to get into a program Mm -hmm. that helps you because you've probably told yourself a hundred times you're going to leave it, but you don't. You need help. So first of all, and there's plenty of help. Um, Secondly, if it's more of an addiction that's not chemical or binding, you need to deal with the cravings inside that are driving you to get satisfied. And that starts, Wayne, with identity. Yes. Um, who are you in God? What is God speaking over you? That's a mind renewal, identifying what is the pain point that drives that craving and going to God. And by the way, this isn't a one time, it's over. This is a process of renewing our mind so that ultimately we're satisfied in God and less dependent on the cravings that we have. Well, next time we'll look at the possession trap, so stay with us as we continue our series, Identity Theft, with Mark. Now, before we go today, Mark, uh, tell listeners about the special Bold Step gift we have to send their way. Yeah, I'm very excited about this tool because it's simple, it's practical, it's not a very thick book, but it's full of content. It's called The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. And this talks about not just the spiritual implications, but the emotional and physical connections that we make with our spouses. And um, there's four habits that they focus on. And this author claims that 15 minutes a day can help you stay in love. And so here's a clip from Chris Corsi. The four habits, we've uh, created an acrostic to help remember them. It's the word plan. So you can think of, I need a plan for shrinking the joy gap. 
And uh, the first one is playing together. And uh, we include sexual relations in playing together. And the uh, second one is listening for emotion. We mentioned before that the right brain is relational and emotional. The left brain is problem-oriented. Most of us are left brain listeners. We listen for problems. We have to train ourselves to begin listening for emotions so we can validate those. The uh, third one is appreciation, and that is making it a daily practice to share appreciation, things we appreciate with our, our husband or our wife. And then the last one is nurturing a rhythm. The idea is I, I need a, a, a relational rhythm that I know I can count on. I know I'm going to have time with my husband or my wife that is dependable, that is a priority, and it creates a relational rhythm. Well, that's the author. And if you'd like to request your copy of The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, make your donation of any amount. Go online to boldstepsradio.org or give us a call at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. And you can also send your gift and request for this book through the mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Once again, that's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And as we reach the end of today's program, make sure you've subscribed to the Bold Steps podcast and enjoy listening to these messages while you're out for a jog or driving at another hour. Just open up your favorite podcast app on your phone or smart device and search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, and then click the subscribe button. Well, I'm Wayne Shepard reminding you to join us tomorrow when Mark continues our series on spiritual identity theft with a new lesson warning us about the possession trap. Find out more Thursday here on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.